Welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of All Things Evangelism. I'm really excited to talk with you and with my guest this week on the subject of testing truths. Now, you may have heard that phrase before if you've ever been a part of a team or a church that's done evangelism. Usually, we're going to talk about what testing truths are, and we're going to talk about their relevance to evangelism and even just our own personal walk with Jesus. And so this week, I've got evangelist Justin Tarosian here with me. Thank you, Justin, for joining me uh, this week. Oh, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So testing truths, you've heard this phrase before, yeah? Yes, definitely. When was the first time you heard it? That's a really good question. I, I can't remember the first time I've, I heard it. It might have been in 2005. I, as just a young, I had just turned 19, I went on a mission trip to the Philippines with a ministry called Share Him, where a group of 17 of us, my dad and I being two of those 17, went and we were given packaged evangelistic sermons with PowerPoint presentations. And we all went to the city of Puerto Princesa in the Philippines. And each evening we were taken around to different sites. So each one of us had our own evangelistic series that we were preaching. And I think it was then that I first heard that phrase, testing truth, as we were preaching those various series around the city in the different locations. Let's get into it then. What is testing truths? Obviously, we know it has to do with the Bible. It has to do with scripture. There's lots of truth in the Bible. Jesus says in John 17, 17, his word is truth. And he says about himself, and obviously John 14, 6, he is the truth. Everything that Jesus teaches is true. He mm-hmm. says that the scripture is true. There's a whole lot of truths in the scripture, a whole lot of information that is true. But what do we mean when we say testing truths? Yeah, great question. I would say testing truth is, the way we generally use the phrase is some truth of scripture that will put people to the test. So there are certain facets and certain teachings and certain truths of the Bible that tend to test people more than others when they discover them. And it's different for different people. One of them that's often a testing truth is the Sabbath. People face an issue. They either have to risk losing their job or and be faithful to God's Sabbath or compromise on this truth that they've discovered and know that they can keep their jobs and be comfortable when it comes to their employment. That's just one example of what can become a testing truth. But in reality, any truth from God's word that we face that's specifically relevant to something in our lives, directly in our lives, can be a testing truth. So anything that we would rather hold on to as a false idea or practice in our lives or habit, rather than clinging to God's truth, that truth becomes a testing truth for us as an individual. Makes sense. Typically, I would not think of, say, the teaching that God loves everyone would be a testing truth, right? For most people, that would usually be the kind of truth. It is true. God loves every single man and woman on planet Earth. He loves everyone, whether they're rich or poor or black or white or American or Australian or whoever, God loves everyone. That's not typically a testing truth. Maybe for some people, because some people don't love other people and they hate the idea that God loves other people. But generally speaking, that's not a testing truth. Yeah, definitely. And I would say there are, yeah, there are definitely some that are more of a conflict. For some people, maybe they work a nine to five job Monday to Friday and the Sabbath is not going to be an issue for them ever. But that same person might be clinging on to the idea that their dead mother is up in heaven looking down at them and they cling to that false idea, that unbiblical idea to bring them comfort and peace. It's an actual personal test to them to trust that God's ways are best, even if they don't understand exactly why yet, but they've seen it clearly in the Bible. 
rather than trusting their own for these false ideas that give them positive feelings. So yeah. that could be a testing truth, whereas someone else, the Sabbath might be a testing truth or the three angels message or the sanctuary, whereas the state of the dead might not be a problem for them. So I think it's everybody, I would venture to say this, everybody is going to face testing truth sooner or later, the more that they study scripture, there's going to be something that crosses their own will and their own understanding. And we all have preconceived notions that we'll have to let go of. And frankly, we should be confronting testing truth on a regular basis in our devotions. As we learn things that conflict with previous ideas we've had, we should be saying, wow, Lord, I've seen it in your word and it's truth. And it goes against what I had thought and what I had believed, but I'm going to step forward in faith. And when we say that, we've passed the test. When we cling to God's truth in spite of our preconceived ideas or in spite of the things in our lives that we'll have to surrender to receive and embrace and apply God's truth. When Jesus says in John 8, you will know the truth and the truth will, will set you free. Not all the freedom that you receive, right? Not all the things that the truth sets you free from are things you wanted to be free from, like cherished ideas and cherished sentiments and thoughts. So it'd be like sometimes a knowledge of the truth brings a bit of discomfort and challenge, but but ultimately it's a blessing, right? Like, and there in verse 36, just after he says that in verse 32 that you quoted, he says, and when the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, or you will be free truly. You'll be truly free. Not free like you thought you were before you discovered this truth, but actually in reality free. Totally. And Ellen White has this statement, I can't remember where it's from, but where she says that there's no true joy can ever be experienced outside of the truth. Mm. And it makes perfect sense because everything outside of the truth is an illusion. It's, it's not real. It's artificial and fake. Hey, so Justin, I wanted to do something with you. And that is, let's think of the Bible. And are there any examples of a person facing a testing truth or an explicit statement from, say, a prophet to someone that was attesting truth for that person. Can you think of any? Because I've got two. Mm. I've, got, I've, got, I've got two examples of in the Bible of people who were confronted with the truth that was testing for them. Yeah, good question. I would say two two stories come to mind. One is a specific individual where a prophet, like God spoke through a prophet, and it was very clear. Another one was Jesus himself, but it was a group of people of a group of his followers. Oh yeah, I know who you're, okay, so I know you're talking about Jesus in John 6 with yep. the whole sermon on the bread of life. That That's was a testing truth for the people where they're like, "Oh, this is a hard saying, who can hear it?" and they take off. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. was it. That was definitely a testing truth for them. What about what about I was thinking the rich young ruler? Yes, very So true. Jesus tests him with the truth, sell all that you have, give to the poor and follow me. So the idea that his possessions were God's possessions, and he was just a steward of those possessions and was obligated under God to manage his possessions in accordance with the will of God. And that was a huge issue for him because he was covetous. So really, the, the 10th commandment was his testing truth. Like, yeah. thou shalt not covet. That's right. Absolutely. It was. And Jesus knew that the only way that he could be prepared for heaven and for eternity is if he came to the point where he was willing to give up the things that he had because it would have basically enabled God to solve and cure his covetousness. So yeah, absolutely. It's never really to our advantage to hold on to the things that God is wanting us to give up. And sometimes we have this idea of sacrifice. Oh, it's something that I sacrificed for God. But I love what Ellen White says. She says, we can never actually give up something and make a true sacrifice for God because he gives us something so much better in its place. And even if it's not something better in this life, on this earth, it's preparing us for eternity, which is immeasurably better. 
So there's nothing that we can truly sacrifice and surrender that's a wonderful thing because God gives us something so much better in its place. And we see that in, in that example. The other example, besides the rich young ruler, that came to my mind was King Herod being told by John the Baptist, hey, you're sleeping with your brother's wife. That's called adultery. You're in sin right now. And of course, he actually liked John, the Bible tells us. It tells us that he liked John, and this is Matthew chapter 14, if anyone listening wanted to look it up and check it out later. But he had he liked John, and even though he had heard this from him, and it really upset Herodias, the woman that he was sleeping with, his brother's wife, he actually really loved John. He didn't want to see any harm come to him. But this word was a test, not because it tested Herod specifically. Herod knew it was true, and Herod knew he, that he was in the wrong. But it actually tested his wife as it would be, his brother's wife. So sometimes testing truth that we clearly see is from God that we're like, you know what? Okay. Yeah. I'll recognize that's God's will. Sometimes it's more a testing truth or it's more of a challenge and a rebuke or correction to the people closest to us. And if we let those human relationships get in the way of our love for God and our commitment to God, then the devil can use those people to get us to compromise against that testing truth. So it doesn't even necessarily have to be a testing truth that I don't agree with or that I'm rejecting personally. But if I love the people closest to me more than I love God, then it can cause me to compromise on that truth. That's a really good point. Hey, so I'm going to throw this in here too, not to take you off the Herod focus, but another example in the Bible of a group of people being tested by a truth was the disciples and how they were tested by the death of Christ. So Jesus on three occasions explicitly communicated to the disciples that he would go to Jerusalem, be betrayed, tried, and then killed, and then he would be raised the third day, and they didn't understand. Yeah. That was a truth that was testing them, and that because it was they had certain cherished ideas and beliefs about Messiah, that truth was very much a test for them. Very true. Absolutely. And what's amazing is God never just sends us this testing truth that's completely out of nowhere that we've like absolutely never heard before and that he's not prepared us for at all. There's always something God does to prepare the way. A seed that he plants or he has us have a conversation with someone two months before we hear then learn this Bible truth or something. That's I could be wrong and feel free to disagree. But I think in the example you bring up of the disciples, we see this because if you look at Matthew 26, where Jesus says, watch and pray, you know, stay awake. I need you to stay awake and pray with me. The Desire of Ages says that the disciples had often come to this place and slept there, Peter, James, and John, while Jesus went and prayed. But this time he wanted their help because he felt the burden of the weight of the sins of the world. So he asked them to stay awake and to pray with him. Of course, we know they fell asleep. And Ellen White actually says that on the Mount of Transfiguration, when they fell asleep as well, while Jesus was praying, that it was preparation for this in Matthew 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane. So they would have been able to stay awake and at this point if they had stayed awake the time before. To the point that here in the Garden of Gethsemane, they actually wake up and see the angel, Gabriel, actually comforting Jesus. And yet they still fall back to sleep. I mean, how drowsy from sleep do you have to be to see an angel from heaven comforting Jesus and you fall back to sleep? But this and in Desire of Ages, she says, if they had stayed awake and watched and prayed with Christ here, they would not have forsaken Jesus and fled. They would not have, they would have been prepared to be faithful like John was who was by the cross, who followed Jesus when he was taken to Caiaphas's house. And he was in the courtyard, and yet he never compromised his faith. 
but he was able to be there and um, support Jesus' mother. So it's like when they faced this testing truth, God had been trying to wake them up. And Jesus, like you mentioned, had warned them, hey, the Son of Man will be killed and crucified. And on the third day, he will rise. He'd been trying to tell them and he'd been giving them opportunities to stay awake, to watch and pray so that they would be ready for this time. So I guess the lesson that we can draw from that is every decision that we make to follow God and be faithful to him will strengthen us for future decisions and to strengthen us to accept future truths. Whereas every decision we make, even seemingly very small and insignificant against following in God's way, is setting us up to reject those testing truths that God may bring to us. I want to share something that I was going to ask in a question form, but I didn't want to catch you in case you weren't prepared to answer. But I can see in a danger that can arise. I can see a danger in the idea of testing. And here's the danger. The danger is assuming that because someone has rejected something that's true from the Bible, you write them off and assume they've rejected a testing truth and there, and have no more chance for salvation. So while it's true that there's lots of truth in the Bible that can test, and it's true that people need to surrender to the Word of God rather than their, except hang on to their cherished ideas and views and beliefs, we as believers and those who are on the side of the Sabbath and on the side of the pre-Advent investigative judgment and on the side of the truth about the gospel and how only it saves you from the grip of death, and only it gives you eternal life. We may be on this side, but we've got to be careful that this notion, this concept of testing truth doesn't make us write people off just because we see that a truth has been presented to them and they don't accept it immediately. Oh, they've been tested and they they rejected the truth. And no, it's just like, check, they're condemned. That's a danger, right? Yeah, absolutely. Most definitely. And I'm so glad that God is the judge and he knows every person's situation. And oftentimes when a person hears a certain truth from scripture, it can take months. And you've seen this in evangelism, Matt. We know it can take months sometimes or even years before they actually go, you know what? I've actually just been resisting accepting that truth for whatever reason. But they may come to a point where they've seen the strength of logic. They've seen what's happened, the clarity in the scripture. God's worked in their lives. The Holy Spirit has been drawing them, wooing them, inviting them to embrace this life-changing truth. And so you're right. It's dangerous for us to ever write anybody off and say, ah, oh, they were tested. They try, They were tried and they failed that. Therefore, you know, they're done for yeah. it. Awesome. Testing truth, they're done. It's like it's almost like the the final judgment that <laughs> Adventists get to pronounce on non-Adventists, right? Like I have now pronounced final judgment upon you because you rejected my testing truth. And by the way, this danger only arises when we're impatient and unloving, yeah. and when we're not ourselves being rational. Because we know that sometimes it takes for people to hear something, and sometimes they can reject something multiple times before they accept it. And sometimes the process of accepting involves rejecting to extent, right? To certain degrees where you have to reject something a couple times before you're willing to and prepared to accept it. I just yeah. recently read a book on negotiation, which was called Never Split the Difference. And Joseph Scaff, one of our local pastors in Newcastle, recommended it to me. Hmm. And one of the things this guy brings out in the book is that every good salesperson and every good negotiator knows that sometimes a no is not really a no. A no is a person saying, back off, give yeah. me space, because I need to have the opportunity to really process and really think and really consider. Sometimes when somebody says no to you, or sometimes when they resist the Holy Spirit or a scriptural truth, they need to say no because they need space. 
Mm. They need to feel like they're making their own decisions and that they're not being imposed upon. And sometimes it's really healthy for people to say no. Sometimes it's really good for people to say no at first when they hear something new, because it just shares with you that they're serious people who want to consider things seriously before they really entertain accepting it. Sometimes we get really excited when people just accept everything that we have to say. But that should be a turning to us. Sometimes that's more of a red flag than than people who are a little more careful and skeptical about everything that they hear from another person. And so we've got to be patient and loving and in, in being patient and loving with those who don't believe like we do, we're going to give them the space that they need to take the time that they need to process, you know, information carefully before they make decisions on it. Yeah, no, very true. And something that's really encouraging on that note, something that's really encouraging to remember is that the Holy Spirit is not limited to the conversations that we have with the person, but he can be speaking to them day in, day out. And when we finish that one-on-one conversation with them and we take it to the Lord in prayer, we pray for them daily, we can know that the hound of heaven, the Holy Spirit is pursuing them and that he's bringing that truth home to their hearts and to their minds. And if they don't resist that drawing after a matter of time, they're going to embrace that truth for sure. Well, didn't even like Ellen White talk very positive about William Miller mm, and yep. William, even up to his death, that she, she seems to make commentary about him that was positive and yep. that his standing with God was always sure. And he rejected the Sabbath and his capacity about what he could accept, what he could understand, what he could comprehend. And so it it is true that certain people will walk away from God because they won't accept certain truths that he's leading them into. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. And it is true that there are some people who will reject, who are basically saying, I will not follow you, God, into the promised land by not accepting a certain truth. That is true. At the same time, it's also true that there are individuals who may never accept what we consider a testing truth mm. and still be saved Christ-following believers who are genuine and real and accepted in the family of God, right? Absolutely. Is that fair? And it's funny because one of the, the only reason why that might seem confusing to someone, me saying that, is that we as human beings have a hard time accepting that two things can be true at the same time. Two things can be, it can be true that some people are rejecting Christ as Savior by rejecting certain truths he's leading them to accept, leading mm-hmm. them into. And at the same time, it's true that a person could have accepted all the truth that they have within themselves, the capacity to accept, and they may just be rejecting your communication and, and be perfectly saved. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a fair thing to say. And what's interesting and significant, I think, to note is that something that may not have been, I think there are two levels to testing truths. I'd suggest that, and I've never actually thought of this until our discussion today, but I think there are two levels of of testing truth. I've been memorizing James chapter one. I'm going to try to memorize the book of James. The second verse of James chapter one says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. For many Seventh-day Adventist Christians, they've not necessarily faced a very difficult test of their faith in regards to a specific doctrine that they hold to be biblically true, a Bible teaching that they believe is true. But there may come a time where while they have accepted it intellectually with their minds, they're tested by some experience in life or some comment someone makes or a conversation. They're challenged and tested on whether or not this is actually true and if they're going to live this out in their life. So the person who hasn't had a problem with the Sabbath, they've been an Adventist for decades, 
all of a sudden they're in a country of the world, unlike Australia or America, where we're very blessed to have laws that protect our right to keep the Sabbath holy and keep our job at the same time. Let's say they're in a part of the world where that's not the case and their boss gets changed and all of a sudden this new boss says, hey, you need to work Saturdays or you're out of here. This can become, though it's intellectually been something that they've known and understood and accepted, this can become a testing truth in their lives. The same with the state of the dead. Let's say their dead grandmother comes back and starts talking to them and they can hear her and she's talking about the same stuff and she looks the same except young and glorious and all of this stuff. And they're like, is this really my dead grandmother? Do they really believe what the Bible says that the living know that they'll die, but the dead know nothing? Do they really believe that it says the dead will not return, that the dead are asleep? Or are they going to trust their senses? Are they going to fear losing their job and therefore compromise the truth? And I think this is what James was talking about. It's the second level of testing truth. And sometimes people experience both at once, like we talked about. They discover the truth of the Sabbath. Their boss says, hey, you quit or you keep take the seventh day of the week off. You're out of here. You're fired. That intellectual truth of the Sabbath becomes a testing truth in their life. But for many Adventists, they've not, for many of us, we've not had to face a severe test of our faith and a certain point of our faith with something in our lives. But I think there comes a point where we will, and maybe not with all of the different doctrines of scriptures, but there comes a point where everyone will face the decision and the test that God blesses us with of if we're going to hold true to the faith that we understand from scripture or if we'll compromise. And I think this is what James was talking about when he says the testing of your faith produces patience. And another word for patient there is endurance. So I think that's a, yeah. a key yeah, thing to one, keep one, one way to rephrase that statement of James is that the testing of your faith produces resolve or strengthens your resolve. That's right. Yeah. Right? Like the resistance of a muscle strengthens the muscle. The testing of your faith increases resolve, right. strengthens resolve. Because it forces you to. It forces you to become more resolved to hang on to God. And so just a thought, this came to me. A testing truth for me can be when my, my, when my wife points out that I've done something wrong mm. or been unkind to my son or comes into the room and reads me this biblical passage or this statement from Ellen White that talks about you're treating acting a certain way that you just didn't act. Mm. You know, like, hey, next time you deal with Max, our oldest son, notice what Ellen White says right here. You mm. did this. And at that moment, that becomes a testing truth for me. Yeah. Am I going to reject the voice of the prophet because it it mm. it injured my pride? Mm. Or do I accept the word of the prophet because I love my sons more than I love my pride? So I'll let my pride go for the best of my son. And I think this is this is this goes back to what you said at the beginning. Like we as Adventists in our parochial setting, we have we identify certain fundamental teachings of the Bible that are understood by our church as testing for the rest of the world because they're new to the rest of the world. They're unique to Adventism. And so therefore they're going to test people. And th that's one kind of one category of testing truth. But then there's the general category of whatever tests you, whatever the Holy Spirit is saying to you, that's okay. testing you. And I think that's where really for us, it becomes really practical and meaningful. And for sure. us in the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the story of us, I know you are Justin, but if our listeners are familiar with the story, not touching the ark or touching the ark was a testing truth that came significant consequences. And God gave a command to the people, don't touch the ark when you're transporting it from one place to another. And then the ark is falling down and Uzzah feels like his prerogative to touch it and he touches it and he dies. Mm. And that become, that's a very significant issue for him. 
but touching an ark, not touching an ark. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal for us is that God said that to you, man, and that matters. And you chose to disregard it. And in doing so, you disregarded all that God is and all that God has done and, and all that God has said. And so that's a big deal. Yeah, that's, I think just, that's the last thing I wanted to say on the subject, because I just think that's very pertinent for me. Personally. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's basically to state it another way that what you were talking about on the personal level is if when God brings a truth to light, maybe it's something we knew, but it crosses a way that we spoke or we acted. God may use truth to correct. And that can cause one of two reactions, pride, where we rise up and deny it or challenge it or justify ourselves or humility, where we say, wow, that is a truth of God that I just didn't live up to. So, that's yeah, it. yeah amen. Fun. Amen. Well, hey, listen, everyone, we just want to thank you so much for joining us and hope that you've been blessed by our conversation on this subject of testing truth. And I hope that it's been informative and challenging and inspiring to you and thought provoking. We look forward to joining you again next week. God bless you. And uh, thanks, Justin, for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me.